Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. It's not like, it's more, the audio matters more to me than the uh, video. But yeah, so welcome. Welcome to the GameDev.TV Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm. So I, I got set up with um, a agent of yours or somebody you work with. And so I actually don't know that much about you, Ricardo. So if you can let the uh, fans know a little bit about who you are, and then we'll just go from there to hear about your whole story. Sure. What are you up to? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Ricardo. So my name is Ricardo. I am uh, 44. Uh, I'm a software engineer. Uh, I live uh, in the United States, but uh, I was originally born in Portugal, uh, and I moved in like six years ago. Uh, I work uh, currently in a software development company as an IT director, um, but it's not related to any gaming at all. So we do mostly web development and mobile development. Uh, we work with lots of industries from sport, construction, you know, in a Mainly, the biggest thing we do is we run uh, the biggest seafood auction in the world. Seafood auction? Which, yeah, yeah. So it's which is kind of <laughs> uh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. We did that platform, so every day it transacts a lot of. Uh, so it essentially uh, runs off from the east coast and feeds the, the you know the mainland uh, for for you know ground fish and uh, mainly scallops as well. So we oh. uh, did that software and we monitor it. Yeah. Uh, so what about so... that lobster from Maine? <laughs> no, Are actually, they don't sell it there. <laughs> no, I wish they did because it's so great, but <laughs> they don't. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. So um, we do that. Uh, and uh, as if I didn't have much to do, <laughs> I also so- suffer from the problem that probably you guys also suffer, which is that creativity bug that you have to feed in by creating stuff. Mm-hmm. So at night, when I put my kids to sleep, you know, I go to my basement, I put on my indie dev suit, and I feed indie the beast. Suit? <laughs> <laughs> indie dev suit? Yeah, and I feed the beast with uh, with my creations, you know. That's how I uh, kind of am doing mostly my stuff. And, you know, I've been a gamer all my life, you know, with 44 years, you know, being born in Portugal, I started with probably computers that the majority of kids don't even know what they are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I started off with computers like ZX Spectrum, which was big in Europe back in the day, a 48K of memory. I don't even what? believe I'm saying this. Aaron, but do you know this? Yeah. Mm, yeah I, don't know. I mean, it sounds like something that was made by Zenith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then. I moved on to, you know, all the PC era from 286, 386, uh, you know, 486, the, the Pentiums and all the CGA, EGA, VGA era of, of gaming. Uh, Actually, could you, you go all into those. what that means entirely? Because sure. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> so it has to do with the resolutions back in the day, okay. you know. Today you run off of VGA, right, uh, and, and much more resolutions. Uh, back yeah. in the day you just have like, you know, very limited kind of uh, <clears throat> bitmap resolutions. So back in the day, you start off with just, uh, you know, we had like 
a CGA screen with uh, with was green and in yellow and no colors at all, so monochromatic so and palettes, play. Remember? So so you had yeah. the dark palette that was that was green, yellow, orange, or green, yellow, red, and then you had yeah. the white palette that was cyan, magenta. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, that so back your color graphics adapter exactly exactly and then we played all those uh you know i played all my favorite games back in the day was all those sierra adventure stuff i don't know if you guys know but you know all the police quest and things king's quest and laser suit larry things like pretty old where it was kind yeah. of a an adventure game uh, and then eventually, you know, I played all, of course, the, the first, you know, Wolfensteins and, and Dukes that, that showed at the time. And uh, then I moved on to probably the Hail to the King moment, which was when I got uh, <laughs> Commodore Amiga 500. At the time, it was like the big, big thing, you know, it was like a big, it's probably the next thing you, the, the closest thing you could have to, uh, to an arcade at the time. Uh, oh, okay. So it like was, so in uh, your house, though, or the yeah, yeah, no, but we, but it was, it was, it was just a computer. Okay. But it was so far. It was a giant leap because it had a huge, you know, soundboard. At you know, a dedicated soundboard. He had de- dedicated chips, mm-hmm. you know, to to graphics, to sound. It was a great, great machine back in the day. And uh, you know, I played, you know, tons of games there. I cannot even describe. It's probably what mainly marks me the most in terms of my you know love for games was that that time uh and then i you know went through the the, the, the console eras from starting with uh you know those uh first ones that showed up uh, nintendos and stuff and then i moved on to uh eventually the the playstations and the xboxes and and all that good stuff wow Okay. Yeah. So, when at one point did you be like <laughs> you were like I'm done playing games? Well, not done, but like I'm gonna move towards creating the games. When did that come about? Yeah. So this is uh like a you know <laughs> normally you know just for fun I say it's a problem I have. Uh-huh. So for a lot of for a lot of time I you know I I was a, a musician. So I besides my you know having software engineer degree I I loved playing guitar and electric guitar. And, you know, once I got married, <laughs> I, I couldn't then have kids. You know, you had to let go of something. Yeah. So I, I kind of didn't practice any anymore. So I kind of feel that creativity has lost. And I, you know, I recovered it in gaming because, you know, the spectrum is so broad, you know, that you can create a story, you know, mm-hmm. be the, the, the developer, the designer, the coding, you know, do all the the character and all that. So I kind of started going back because in, I never really, you know, all my career probably mainly doing C-sharp based development, more web and, and mobile stuff. I never went to gaming, but then I started to say, well, there's kind of a thing that I can feel that, you know, can really kind of, you know, keep my, uh, my creativity uh, beast kind of cooled down and uh, I started moving back and remembering and and I started you know besides playing just uh, starting to experiment with uh, with game development and uh, and that's about it I started with uh, because you know the affinity to C sharp I started with unity mm-hmm. 
which I started playing and, you know, creating some some prototyping and learning and seeing all the courses and trying to understand how, how things were related. I kind of did. I never, I, I mean, I probably just released the game up so far, which was in a, for iOS and Android. It was called Pin, Pinball Stars. It was my first thing I did with uh, Unity back in the day. And um, and I did a lot of, you know, prototypes. I made a, a talking Alexa with a... Um, okay. With a with a mesh that had uh, that had uh, like a, a girl's face, which actually was Beyonce. So I created Beyonce model Beyonce, oh, so Beyonce and I Alexa. made her speak. Yeah, it's Alexa. So I did that with um, with uh, with uh, Unity. Okay. And it was kind of fun, and <laughs> and did a lot of yeah <laughs> other because what, yeah exactly, and then I you know it's the creativity you know that's what I kind of see myself. Uh, doing because I don't I'm a big fan of improvisation even when I was a, a musician I don't like like to be stuck at really rigid stuff I like the, that creativity let go so I recently came across something on uh, Game of Sutra I think it's the, the website something called improvisational game design from a guy okay. who has won awards yeah. about it I didn't even thought it it existed because you know all the good practices of great books say yeah you have to go with a, plan, a huge game, game design, design document all yeah. oh, planning man i can tell you i i love the act of going in not having a lot of boundaries and just being myself and try to create whatever comes to mind without just thinking too much about it. more i i would say i would value more the process than the outcome you, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's like more like a journey I, than a destination. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm a big fan of it. So that's why it's a bit random, <laughs> my story. But, um, but that's what I like to do. So I have no strings attached. I eventually, uh, I, after doing this experimentation, I started with a lot of... Uh, because Unity is really cool for, you know, for that cross-platform thing is really, really easy to get that going. So I started exploring more of the mobile gaming, like the, the those uh, hyper casual kind of stuff because it in essence would be easier to, uh, you know, to, to learn and understand. And uh, then one day I just started to, uh, you know, I was looking for my favorite channels on uh, YouTube and I came across a guy that was doing a multiplayer course for Unreal Engine. And I started, you know, just saying, oh, okay, let's see what <laughs> what this is all about. Yeah. Man, I was so drawn to it. The guy was a great speaker. The guy was like, you know, like a magnet. He spoke with 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 love, with passion for what he was doing. Man, I saw the entire thing and I said, I got to get Unreal Engine. And from there, I never more, I let it go. And when was you know, this? I just... Uh, like how long ago? It was like uh, two years ago, probably. Mm. Yeah. Do you still mess around with Unreal? Yeah, that's when I started to uh, play. No, the, the 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 Unity stuff like two years ago. Unreal more one year and and so yeah. Okay. So I want to get more into the improvisation game design. So is it about building a game with no plan, or is it just going in and trying different game design requirements without like having any planning required? Yeah. Now you 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 have a, a basic probably like a starting point where you want to go, right? I mean, what do you want to create? 
but then you don't define a lot of rules around it uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, who are your characters? I mean, what are you going to do? Where's the environment? You kind of just uh, let it go. And then, of course, you have to have some sort of structure. But that structure is something that you build as you go and not something that you pre-plan as something that's really closed. This might sound like a heresy for somebody, you know, from some people who do this professionally say, oh, that would never work or whatever. But mm-hmm. I read that blog post from that guy. I'm going to share the link with you. Okay. And that guy won an award and the game that he did looks awesome. Looks really. Do you fantastic. know what the game was called? I yeah, I can. Uh, let me see if I find the, the link here and I'll share it with you. Let me see here. Well, sometimes the thing that worked once or many times eventually will not work as well anymore. It's kind of like the hero's journey story. I've been watching a lot of videos about it where it, it works so well with Star Wars that they started to just like do it more. It's like, this is going to be your way for a successful movie. But like it doesn't um, hit upon complex. Um, what would be the right word for this? The structures and like morality of like different characters instead of one character just going through doing his little journey for like discovering he's got this kind of superpower that's called adventuring and going through the challenge it's more like these characters are dynamic some do good things some do bad things they're not all like heroes at the end of the day some don't have character heroes, some don't like that makes for more complex and better storytelling and so now you're, it's like you're actually talking about the hollywood revolution after the 1950s where in the 70s they actually learned how to make movies correctly by using time-proven traditional storytelling techniques from like thousands of years ago such yeah. as the hero's journey exactly. sorry complete detraction from your point <laughs> no, that was no, it's perfect. that you said that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's something that i've been previously like looking at so that's why it's yeah. more relevant to yeah no that. i totally yeah. know what you're yeah. saying <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so something like that, it's like, well, yeah, try something different. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. So it's cool that you found something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's important is to have an open-minded and enjoy the process. You know, I don't, uh, as of now, because, you know, I have a, fortunately, I was able to have a pretty stable life. You know, I do what I want and I, I'm, I'm happy with what I do. But I, I kind of really like the, the creative process of it. So I'm not, you know, constrained by having someone to tell me, oh, we have these deadlines, we have to, you know, deliver this, the game is like this, because the publisher wants it to be that way. I'm, I have no strings attached, you know, and that, I kind of like it that way. And uh, because I thought before reading this, that I was doing some sort of heresy, thinking, oh, this is totally, a, yeah. you know, a bad practice. I'm not going to even tweet about it, because all the devs are going to you know, fall on top of me and just, you know, smash me. But then I, I read, I, I shared the link, by the way, with you uh, in the chat. And this guy won an award. And the game that he look, he did looks great, man. Looks great. And the post is a bit old. It's like, I believe it's 2017 or 18. Okay. But I, I thought that uh, I identified it with that post so much that I think it's, it's uh, you know, good to share. Because sometimes there are people who like to also improve you know, improvise like almost as a jazz mu- musician does when he goes into a jam session. He has nothing prepared, you know, you just know the chord progression and at that moment he goes. And th- with this, it's kind of a that same analogy until you have something that you can start building on. Yeah. So. 
I, I completely agree with everything you just said there. I think that resonates really strongly. Even Thank you. The kind of stuff that I'm doing right now, like I, I actually just earlier this day posted something because I came to the realization that the project that I had been working on kind of passed one of those gates where it's now other people could work on it. It's not just a me thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that ability to, I mean, I've, so you're, you were talking about this Franz Kafka video game blog video, yeah right? yeah yeah it's exactly really i've just been reading it and and yeah that's uh that's a i i think that works really well when you're an individual because you have yeah. in your mind what it is that you want to build and that's kind of what i was saying like i i realized today that you know what i had in my mind to build i had actually kind of gotten there like last week and i just just realized it right but yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see how that works because yeah, when you're a single person, I think you know his point about design documents and nobody reads them and all that kind of stuff. I, I also work in professional software development. I implement ERP systems and work on teams of people. We have like our own custom hybrid agile methodology and all kinds of stuff. And it actually yeah. works really well the way that we do it. But that's also because you know we deal with extremely complicated projects where there are literally thousands of decisions that need to be made and documented and then turned into actual code that ends up in a system for people to use. It's, it's not exactly the same, but you know, the, the main point of all of that documentation is more about the communication and it's the reason why exactly from master and all of that kind of stuff to, to keep, you know, all of the cats herded and going in the right direction. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's thought you said it very well. I mean, and of course, I mean, in my company that we do, if you do, mm -hmm. you know, I did the largest seafood auction in the world. <laughs> it didn't came out yeah. from improvise, you know, right, I just right. don't want to, you know, you know, like you said very well, when you work with a team of people, you know, it's, you need to have some sort of boundaries. You have to, has some sort of documents and of course the compromises are made with documents right mm -hmm. so you got a spec document you gotta you know if someone is testing your game or your product and says hey why is this guy why is this mechanic here right? we don't want this mechanic oh no it's it, it's written here you asked for it so it's like <laughs> <laughs> right yep. rather than that happens so it's too. like we <laughs> Yeah. Why did so you do this? Kinda... Well, because you told us to. <laughs> See? You exactly. Told us to right there. Oh. <laughs> exactly. So in the organization is needed. The only thing I'm, you know, because I do this on the side, right? So I, I it's kind of a, some, some people smoke cigars, some people drink scotch. I go to my basement, like I said, I put my, uh, my <laughs> indie developer suit on. I put my kids to sleep. And I'm there just by myself, you know, with my creations. You might not even go anywhere, but I just, I feel great, man. And, and with, with this uh, mindset, you know, if I, I, I really, I think it's really the, the way to go. Looking at other indie developers and appreciating what they do and kind of sharing what you do and getting appreciated as well. It's, it's so nice, man. I think it's, it's, it's great. And that's why I'm into this more than just a, you know, being here to make a commercial game, be rich and be famous. I mean, I'm 44. <laughs> I've been, I've right. done so many things at this point, man. We're I just 20 wanna... years too late for the becoming rich and famous thing at this point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm good. Of course, I want to, you know, I want, I wish I, because I haven't done it yet. And it's so, and it's also a bridge to, I have, you know, a lot of, I've done, in all these years, like 30 years of software development 
have done so many things. And let me tell you that game development is probably the hardest thing that I ever came across with. It's so hard. Well, that's convincing. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, it's, it's, so hard. it's so hard. <laughs> it really is. I've, I've said it's this so for, hard. For, so, for so long that like almost all of the innovations in technology that you see have been driven by game development, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially it's when you're doing all push the boundaries. Yeah, I mean, it's it's because we push the boundaries of what you can do. You're creating a simulation of reality. By definition, to perfectly simulate reality requires all of the existence of reality. You can't simulate exactly. that on a computer. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and you know, and and probably we, although the you know these uh, these uh, you know these engines that exist mm -hmm. today make people's life easier i mean i talk about you know mainly now that i'm more connected to unreal you know the, all the bl blueprint system i actually prefer because i'm you know i'm a coder i go to the i go down to the weeds so i do all my coding in c plus plus because i know how to do it but for those who you know for those people who are great designers have you know that that uh, uh capability of uh, you know being able to sculpt beautiful characters, they just go in, they, they plug in some wires and the thing is moving. And that's great, man. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, if you imagine some years ago, I mean, doing a game would be hard stuff, you know, just uh, probably doing all the the C++ APIs to uh, all the the 3GL things. And, you know, it, it would be, it would be, um, it would be a nightmare. So in that regards, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to be a developer, but it has a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work still. Now, what advice would you give someone who heard that and said, well, if it's hard, should I even start? No, start it, start it, you know, because like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not to demoralize. It's hard and hard things are, I prefer, you know, if it was easy, I everybody think would you do get it. bored. <laughs> yeah. And everybody I mean, would do it and you get bored. If you, know, you want easy. to like the really easy answer to that, if you learn how to do something that's really hard, people will pay you a lot for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. And there's nothing more satisfying than, you know, you know, especially in the indie world, that's kind of what attracts me. Although I, you know, the AAA stuff, I, I play it and I, you know, I just... It's just amazing what these guys can do. Mm. But um, I kind of, you know, you come up with, you create a character, you know, you go to Blender, you rig it, you bring it to the engine, and then you kind of make it move. You know, you give it some controller. You're able to, after all the, you know, make it move, make it jump, make it have some interaction. You build some systems. Hey, man, it's awesome to see. Like something that didn't exist now suddenly is gaining life in doing all this stuff. To me, it's like, it's awesome, man. It's like what you said, like creating a, you know, a, 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 a simulation of a world, and then you see it, your creation taking, taking form. And I think that's the that's the really kind of reward. So don't get afraid. And there's a lot of like you guys have. Uh, I, I was seeing your site, the, the Game Dev TV, like courses. You guys have pretty pretty good stuff there. Not only for Unreal, but for Unity and and for all that stuff. So it's pretty easy to. Uh, someone who's starting out not get overwhelmed by information yeah, and just so going much. straight to the point mm -hmm. 
Now you were messing around with Unreal. Did you mess around with like C plus plus or is it just blueprints? No, no C plus plus. I I go down to the weeds. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, I started with uh, I started with blueprints uh, because that uh, course that I said from a uh, from a guy that's called Mark Luttrell, mm-hmm. and I really liked what he was doing. And he he was just all about blueprints. But then there's a part where you want to do like the kind of publish it. You need to go down and compile the C++ code. And I said, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. so let's uh, forget all this and let's start with C++. So I started, uh, I already knew from college how to program in C++, but of course, uh, Unreal has all that uh, as a specific API. So I studied the Unreal's API and uh, I'm doing everything in, I mean, everything like the, the baseline of code because there are still things you need to do via blueprints, mainly um, animations and blueprints and, and all the other other stuff, but uh, mainly like the, the, the logic and the systems and all how things are glued together. I go to C++, yes. So when you say you're studying the Unreal API, what does that look like? Is it like as you're building something, you go into the API or are you just researching on your own time and making sure you understand everything that's up behind the scenes? Yeah, no, I think you do, you experiment and that's nothing more, you know, you start with small prototypes and you kind of think what I want to do, right? So I want to, I have a a character that's rigged, I want to bring it in, how do I, you know, apply, you know, give it a controller and start moving it, so what class, you know, should it be a pawn, should it be a character, Uh, should it be an actor, what what kind of class I'm going to, if I want to move this guy, so I'm going to move it, what, with physics or kinematically? You know, it's kind of, how do I move it with physics? So what you do is as soon as you, how I did it, as soon as I have a, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a question, I just go to the to the Unreal's site or I'll just search for forums and then I drill down into how the API works, what are the, you know, the classes and the, uh, all that stuff that uh, allows me to do what I'm what I'm searching for. So that's how I mainly I do it. I, d- I don't go there and devour <laughs> yeah. the API. Yeah. It's not a place. It's not like you don't go and read the dictionary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's so it's so nice once you kind of you know you start uh, to understand how things are done. How do you dynamically create characters? Right? You kind of. You, you are able to, you know, get a head, get a torso, get some arms and glue it all together in a master skeleton and then, you know, rig it all like to do a, a character customization thing. How do you do it in with C++? How do you change materials in runtime? So you change the skin tones, you change the eyes, you change the color, the teeth and all that stuff. So that's that's kind of a, kind of the processes that I do. And then I... I, I go from there. I already have a lot of, uh, so my prototypes also help me get that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one day I can compile, uh, you know, some tutorials or s- something that uh, uh, that helps other people who are trying out too. Yeah, that's always one of those things that I've, I've definitely struggled with as well, Ricardo, is like, there's, there's something interesting about the the act of learning there's like you know different kinds of tiers of understanding of programming languages and i've definitely been struggling with like my understanding is such that i 
I can pretty much write software that does what I want it to do, right? Without yeah. too much difficulty. Every now and then I'll need to look up, you know, the API for a function to understand, you know, what it's really doing. But how do you teach that to other people? Uh, that's that's extremely challenging because I feel like part of it is just more than anything else. It's just time in trade. Yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, especially for people who don't have a programming background like right, we do, right. right? We kind of go to college. I I normally say that the only thing that college does with people is to a person is show context, is turn on the lights quicker than if you would be outside and searching for yourself where do things connect. So in college, yeah, think, you have... I, I think I heard somebody say that uh, in England, they call it first professional degree or something like that, which, which made sense to me because it's like... Yeah, yeah. It's like the first four years of your of your career, if you were just working, you're learning the things that are necessary to do the job in about four years. It's just a slightly different setting. It's kind of yeah, an accelerator. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's hard. In in, in to your point, it's really it's hard to explain to someone who's never done anything. What is a pointer, right? <laughs> Why are you storing a, var a variable as a pointer? Right. And, and, and kind of exactly what, what's a pointer? That const and that ampersand and that asterisk. And what does it mean if you put it before and after? And exactly. Especially reference and what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially C++. It's kind of hard to start. That's why, you know, I kind of, if you're starting out, maybe uh, C sharp is a better. I've been a C sharp <laughs> all my life. I love C, C sharp, sharp was my first easier. object programming. Yeah. To C later. Yeah, yeah. C is more daunting, but like I said, you know, um, you gotta first uh, be aware of those core basic principles, right? Variable variables, constants, for loops. You know, understand how you know how, how things relate with each other and then just to delve into uh to the stuff but today you don't even need it i mean it's just <laughs> we're doing this because maybe we 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 are geeks and we really like to be there True. but the majority of the kids starting out they don't need it at the end of the day you know just uh to just connect some uh blueprints or whatever and the thing works and people play it and are happy and they're happy as well. I mean, we are the ones who like to live in pain. <laughs> so well, we go I mean, down. <laughs> to, to be fair, they're the benefactors of 10 years of us writing C++ code to provide yeah. these objects that can be easily used and wired together in blueprints. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. you know the Unreal Engine, when it first came out, didn't have all of that. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you were yeah. writing code in C++ that was really, really close to just C code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, yeah yeah it was it was a very different world i mean the, the evolution of, of technology is is honestly one of my favorite things of, about <laughs> about yeah it. Just look at what's happened with the unreal engine 5 now. oh oh my god beautiful uh, it's like okay it's so all a... of that time and effort that you spent for decades you know trying to figure out how to do lod stuff now computers are fast enough that we can just do that on the fly sure <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, but like uh, like you said i mean uh, the engines are so evolved these days sometimes right. i see on reddit you know people coming in and asking you know that question that everybody says should i go to and what's what is what is 
the best, What's the best <laughs> and real or unity. Yeah, I always, I always, uh, when I see those kind of posts, I always reply, "What, what do you prefer, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini?" You yeah. know, it's like the same thing. <laughs> you know, at on this what point you're in time, to do often. Yeah, matters yeah. More you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's they are so evolved these days that uh, you know, you don't even need to think about those programming concepts and things. They kind of handle everything behind the scenes uh, for you. And I love the transition. I mean, I love I love Unity. I whatever I did, I have a lot of respect for the engine. I have a lot of respect for the Unity community and I just, you know, it's a great engine. Yeah. But I kind of moved to the <laughs> to the other side and I I also love it. You know, it's uh it's it's kind of I've I've been sticking there and uh, I kind of found my tribe for now. Yeah. Same. <laughs> you I, know? I, I did some really cool augmented reality stuff with the HoloLens and Unity, and I've also done some fun stuff in Unreal. They're they're both great engines. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 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 I love them. And, um, and that's also, it. I mean, it's uh, it's easy to start. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So I was gonna say, even for that Unity and Unreal debate, you should also decide like what. Would you would you want to go the easy route or the hard route? Because I know you even though they do two different things. Also, I feel like Unity is just an easier one to grasp, and then you can take the knowledge of what an engine is to go into Unreal, and you'll at least have a better understanding. Because Unreal is a little bit more when you open it up, and everything kind of just feels daunting. You're like, what's supposed to happen? It looks like Unreal Five. The UI looks a little bit cleaner and better. That it doesn't feel as daunting. I mean, yeah. for Unreal, but yeah, but Unity, you just plug in a game object, add a script to it, and it works. Like, Unreal, you kind of have to know what you want to do beforehand. So that's, that's the only thing exactly. I have to say about Unity and Unreal. It's like, you could do both. You can do C++, but, like, be careful because it's a little harder. That's why we also have that new um, pure C++ course. So you can learn C++, then you can go learn Unreal. But that's a little bit more confusing, whereas Unity is just like, here you go. Have some fun. It's a little bit easier. That's, yeah, so that's my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, t I totally agree with you. And and nowadays the you know the, the compare before you could really tell when you would see something on YouTube that was not you know you couldn't tell if it was uh, Unreal or Unity you could really for the ones who are used to it say oh this is totally uh, Unreal and now the you know the, the <laughs> it's so good both the engines are so good that you can yeah. probably even even tell the difference so I mean don't don't be don't be kind of thinking that you go to Unity because it's, uh, you know, it's simpler. It's more, it's it's basic. No, it's not basic at all. It's a great, great engine. Mm -hmm. You can do beautiful, beautiful, beautiful games with it. So it's it's uh, it's a, a great engine. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think the one thing that, uh, I, I think the one thing that Kevin said that I kind of, kind of glommed onto, I totally agree, was, was the difference uh, between Unity versus Unreal is that Unity, with Unreal, it feels like you have to plan more. Unity feels a little bit easier from that perspective. And I totally agree. And that's actually, in an interesting way, kind of the main challenge that I found switching between C Sharp and C++ is that the way that you go about thinking about designing your software and your applications in C Sharp is a certain way. And you do need a bit more planning when you go about designing C++ because the main yeah. reason is because in C++ you're responsible for memory allocation, whereas in C Sharp 
you're less responsible for it. I'm not saying that you're yeah. not, but you know, it's, you can just kind of say, you know, allocate some memory wherever you need it, whenever you want to, and you don't have to worry about anything else from that point on. The garbage collector will take care of it. So. We'll take care of it. Exactly, exactly. Although the, the guys of, uh, you know, the, the APIs already, they've done a lot of uh, that uh, background uh, things where you can, you know, uh, with attributes, you can mark things. And then I believe they already automatically take that care for you when you uh, you mark uh, properties with uprop and things like that. They kind of already yeah, behind the yeah. scenes do that, uh, that that cleaning for you. But I totally, I totally uh, agree with what you say. It's, it's super, you know, for someone starting yeah. out, just go to C-sharp. It's, uh, it's a better bag. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, I mean, the other thing to understand, though, is that Unreal's doing, like, really fancy stuff behind the scenes, like doing object pools and other kinds of things where it's dealing with allocating yeah. and reusing memory that's been allocated and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. And, and that exactly is, you know, to the larger point, exactly, you know, why C++ for one is a more performant language and for two requires a bit more planning is because you do have to be more aware of memory usage and you can do trickier, <laughs> you can do, you can do things that are, that are made for tricksy little hobbits with, with C++ memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You literally see sometimes when you do, when you do, uh, you know, some, some sort of null pointer exceptions, the, the engine crashing, you know, Unreal Engine crashes big time. I, I I almost never see that with uh, with Unity, like the engine really crashing. Right. With with uh, with Unreal, it crashes, you know, several times during the day, you know, when <laughs> when something happens that is so in your rough. code, yeah, boom, everything goes down, closed. Do you want to report this to Epic Games? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I mean, how. Uh, you know, I mean, you you being an IT director and and you know in charge of a development organization, you understand fully the difference between legacy software and greenfield. I mean, if yeah. we had the ability to just re-implement everything every time we went to a new version, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. how often does that happen? Exactly, never. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's a great truth. Such a shame, um, <laughs> right? It really is. I mean, you know, people kind of laugh at me for writing my own game engine, but ironically, the reason why I'm doing that is for exactly that reason, because I can avoid legacy problems by using yeah. you know, the lessons that have been learned up until today. <laughs> Look exactly. at me standing on the shoulders of these very smart people, <laughs> of which I am not a member. <laughs> yeah. And especially if you're, uh, you know, uh, a hack. I, I used to say hacker at heart. You like to see how things are done. Oh yeah. And uh, you you normally I when in the C sharp world, for instance, I uh, I don't know if you guys know one of the you know probably the most known podcast so far. It's it's a podcast um, called .NET Rocks, and I was I was in, in an invited uh, guest for one of the uh, the. Um, the you know the podcasts because I exactly did something I hacked C sharp I was able to uh, take control of the just in time compiler at the time and I was able to um, dynamically generate code in a C sharp in a C sharp in a statically compiled language so in essence I would and actually, I have some videos of it where I used uh, a game which was Space Invaders. It was mm -hmm. written in C Sharp, and I was making the you know all the aliens when you fire, 
you would just inject code at runtime. You would take control of the jet. You recompile and the guys would just uh, dodge from the bullets and things like that. It was really, really nice. Around. He's like a legit hacker, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Like, I have another C- friend so who do that kind of stuff in C Sharp, and he always blew my mind, too. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. So at the time I was uh, doing what? that, I created a, a product called Code Cop. And because of that, Code uh, Cop? people were using it. Yeah, to unit test and things like that. Because so at I, the time, I've heard of both this blog and Code Cop. You wrote Code Cop. Yeah, yeah I wrote Code Cop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that came out of nowhere. Here comes talking about random, yeah. random stuff, right? Uh, I did it. Uh, yeah, I did it yeah. at the time. It was really kind of being used in the especially mainly for unit testing because in c sharp you couldn't mock static methods but with my uh actually when i did the the, the website at the time like the the catchphrase was no method escapes code cop because i could i could you know i would take care of the compiler at runtime so i could recompile things on the fly like i don't trust anything the compiler is telling me either i'm gonna look at all of the output from that and decide what to do with that too (laughs) exactly exactly so people were using it to unit test uh uh to mock their methods mock .NET framework methods. So if you want to do a console, imagine you want to intercept the console write line and then you wipe all the code from it and then you do whatever you want to do it because it, at that point it's just, uh, it's just an, empty, um, an, an empty body field. You could just uh, you know, write all the IL yourself. I would do it behind the scenes. I would write the IL. I, would, I, I, would, I created like a... Um, you could do it with uh, just a JSON file or a built uh, Fluent API, and then you could just, uh, uh, you know, type whatever you want. You know, add method, add field, uh, field name, and then you know you could just field type, and the guy was just bang, 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 just create the methods on the fly, I actually, which is awesome. I actually have to, I actually have to ask the question: What inspired you to do that in the first place? Like. What was it about the compiler and the and the JIT, you know, and the intermediate language and you know all of those environments that inspired you to dig into them in such a way that you found these, 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 you know, I guess you could call them vulnerabilities. <laughs> yeah, of? yeah. Weaknesses yeah. maybe is a better way to put it. Yeah, exactly. It's a big weakness uh, because no, uh, any. Like what? Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> Yeah, because mainly I suffer from the same thing as you. You know, I like to know how things are done mm. behind the scenes. So I like to go into uh, and and see what the you know because so now the, the code is open source, more or less. Yeah, you know, no. It's essentially, is because I like to know how things are done. I just don't like people to tell me, oh, okay, so C sharp is a uh, well, a static compiled language. Yes, a MSIL, I mean, and then. It, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the bigger challenges that we're finding today in JavaScript, considering like you know how massive the Node framework is and how independent yeah. it is. I mean, there's there's literally massive you know millions of lines of code that most of the web is writing on today that are not necessarily <laughs> developed by you know anyone that anyone else knows. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's so true. Um, and a lot of vulnerabilities are being exposed. So the other day, 
uh, one of our uh, accounts, at Azure, not accounts, one of our servers at Azure got hacked from some guys in the, in the <laughs> Indonesia, whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> and uh, I okay. opened a bug there saying it was a vulnerability in one of a, the node packages. Yep. So they were able to kind of uh, take care of the server and they kind of drill down Microsoft, you know, wall of security. And uh, and that's totally true, you know, because yeah. of that code that's been constantly written and putting out there that it's not the most uh, yeah. secure of things. I mean, you know, you did point out that, you know, thankfully, you know, the way that you know, a lot of cloud services like, you know, AWS and Google business and stuff are built these days that when that kind of stuff happens, they can just kind of like flip a switch and, you know, rewind the clock to a, you know, two hours ago before it happened type thing and can usually fix those things pretty quick. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, you never know. I mean, you heard about the guy that like, or you heard about there was one package that was like included in 96% of all websites or something like that, that it was maintained by one guy and he handed it off to somebody else who put a vulnerability into it. <laughs> this happened like you know a year and a half ago maybe. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know the the, the wow. one person who was maintaining this you know it was like a string parsing library or something simple like that, but you know he handed off the maintenance of that because the, you know the guy was like seventy eight and retired or something. <laughs> handed yeah. off the maintenance to some somebody else and and they put a vulnerability in there which basically injected a vulnerability into like ninety six percent of the websites on the internet. It was found pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, it does demonstrate still the challenges of, of relying on you know, on that kind of stuff. Totally, wow. totally. And and from our you know our perspective, you know, you think like some you know companies like uh, Microsoft or any of those giants when they are first you think of them as you know Azure Cloud. Oh, that's mm -hmm. like uh, the wall of China. You know, <laughs> like nobody will ever that firewall is just like mm. nobody will enter there. It's a lie. So uh, they were able to get in. I probably, uh, they did some sort of attack they were already in and they could not even, uh, they knew that the attack vector was the FTP. They were able, we had a, a secure FTP, but they were able to somehow compromise. Maybe one of our developers just got a, the, the machine compromised. They were able to get the, um, <clears throat> the, the credentials for our stuff because of the pro published profiles we share the credentials between each other so they were able to get it but then they didn't know where they were coming and i they just uh dumped a bunch of php files in there you know mm -hmm. uh selling I, I went and opened one it, it, like windows was going crazy say this is a virus and i said oh my god the php file is a text file mm -hmm. it's not a virus unless it, it runs in a server man i'm just <laughs> opening it with notepad and i could find out that these guys were from indonesia and then i gave this information from microsoft and say mm -hmm. you know these attackers are from and, and you would think right you would think maybe when you think about hackers you think you know you know like you know, maybe someone for, for you know, more more advanced uh, countries, and but they're not. They're they're coming for <laughs> from anywhere. So, yeah, no, I it was a, somebody somebody from some security firm did a did an experiment where they tried to figure out how long it would take before um, before systems were discovered, and, and basically they they set up this like automated process that would deploy new servers um, on Amazon and, and on Azure and 
and would basically wait until they started getting login requests to it and record how long that was. And, you know, did this <laughs> at different times of the day at different, you know, at, at different in different regions of the world and stuff like that. And the average amount of time that it took for a brand new deployed service to start getting hammered by some kind of hacking was 15 seconds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, that's I mean, crazy. A lot of the changes yeah. that have happened in technology and security, the entire concept of the zero trust model is is to address those kinds of problems, you know, authenticate a user, <laughs> you know, a valid identity, and then authorize what data they can access through an API. This model works yeah. really well for security. And it, you know, I, I often have to explain to a lot of my customers who are working on older security models kind of the differences between you know, you're thinking of your network and your perimeter and your firewalls and things like that. But remember that each of your devices inside that network also have their own firewalls and and rules and other kinds of things that are set up to protect them. Security these days is about layering security rather than, you know, trying to make a shell because, you know, as you were exactly. just saying, once you've cracked the shell, the, the insides are nice and soft. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's, uh, it's, um, they, they were even I at the point I, uh, I mean, we have a, you know, a, a kind of a, a pretty big Azure account, we're yeah. not basic because we have tons of customers there. Yeah, yeah. And they were not very supportive to us. They were just saying, you know, I mean, this is something that uh, <laughs> this is your servers, we don't, yeah. we don't, and then and, and right. what I do mean, you do? Just go to Twitter. Vulnerability that was caused by some software on your server—that's not technically Azure's fault. That's the yeah. fault of the software that had the vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. But then they just—they—they uh, they were. Now you go to Twitter, you ping them, and say, yeah. "Well, <laughs> you really want to go this route?" And then they just. They just uh, start to getting more support. I mean, they will we got help all the you. I used to be actually a, a premier field engineer, which is kind of, as you call premier, support, yeah. which mind you is a million dollar a year contract for a premier support contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For like that's, that gives you one person who will dedicate one quarter of their time to you over the course of a year. <laughs> If, if you, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Microsoft will support you through that kind of stuff, but you pay through the freaking nose for it. <laughs> exactly. They build exactly. me out at something like four hundred and seventy-five dollars an hour or something like that. Four twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> insane. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Well, wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. This is a lot of technical yeah. talk, and Barry yeah. loved it a lot. <laughs> I yeah, mean, that's ultimately going back. what it comes down to. If you want, yeah. you know, if you want to pay to have Microsoft's, you know, world-renowned software architects, you know, deal with that kind of stuff with you, then you can. But they will charge you a lot. Okay, so a challenge. Um, well, I really think uh, uh, the biggest challenge, if you're trying to get serious into do something, is uh, mainly try to. Uh, create uh, or pep go into a, a, some sort of a game jam and try to do a game like in two or three days. From what I know, uh, from what I try to do, that's really a, a big challenge uh, that you can do. So I, I definitely recommend people uh, trying to uh, 
you know, uh, go to some sort of simple game jam and try to create a game there. That's probably what I would say to someone who's uh, really struggling with their prototypes as not being able to create something. Just uh, try to go that route, maybe. Awesome. Okay, that's a good challenge. Yeah. And uh, so now we're going to just end it off. I want to say thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. This is, all the technical stuff was good to dive into stuff like that and talk about Unity versus Unreal. <laughs> You brought up a great point about game yeah. dev is hard, but don't let that discourage you because a lot of innovation, no, a lot of awesome stuff comes out of it, and it's what pushes us forward. And uh, I just want to hand the mic to you to end it off. If you want to say last minute words, inspiration, and uh, thank you again for coming on, and Mike's all yours. Thank you. Uh, so for inspiration, I would say uh, if you look at me uh, for a person who's uh, 44, you know, is that I... Uh, IT director, a software engineer, has, has a, a very busy life with lots of, um, you know, demanding things during the day. And I still, at the end of the day, go out and search this passion for creating things. I mean, if you're younger than me and you're trying out to uh, go into de game development, maybe what I do, if you see my creations and all the stuff, all my prototypes, maybe that can inspire you to also never give up and try to, uh, you know, fulfill your dreams and never think about the prize because uh, I know it sounds a cliche. It's all about the journey and it is. It's all about the, 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 the process of you discovering things and being able to evolve as a professional with regardless, you know, to coding, to game development, to whatever is the task that you're doing. Uh, that's the most reward um, you the most rewarding thing you're ever gonna get into uh, into whatever you do. It's that moment where you find out where you discover uh, that you were able to do something that you never thought you would be able to. Well that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at gamebiv.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with the game development journey today.